0: So this cracks me up because I grew up with brothers and there's just a drama behind this language that just speaks of they wanna be the hero. They want to swoop in and save people. They want to, they wanna be amazing. I mean, don't we all? Welcome to Book Therapy. I'm your host, Kim Patton. There's no way to count how many books are floating around in this world. Some are decent, some are truly terrible, and some are great. Today, we're going to take a deep dive into one great book. Together, we will discover gems of truth and encouragement to help you face your current season of life. I'm ready. You're ready. Let's get this party started. Hello, hello. Thank you for joining me here today. It's good to be here, and I have a super fascinating book for you all today. But before we get to that, I just wanted to say thank you to those who have left me review. That helps others find the show and I really appreciate it. If you are enjoying this content, please consider leaving a review on whichever platform you use, whether it's Spotify or Apple or Stitcher or any of the other millions of possible platforms in which you are listening to this podcast on. I would really appreciate it and I always appreciate your support. You guys are awesome. Let's dive into the book. Today, we are talking about A Thousand Naked Strangers by Kevin Hazard, A Paramedic's Wild Ride to the Edge and Back. What a title, right? I got so interested just from the cover of this book. I was like, I'm totally in. This is an adventure book. This is thrilling. It's a medical memoir. It's super funny, but it's also kind of gruesome. So if you've ever watched Rescue 911 or Cops or anything like that and you've been fascinated with emergency response units or the police or anything that involves saving lives or preventing people from committing crimes or anything like that, this book is very fascinating. The only disclaimer I have would be for the language and also there are some graphic scenes While he does a good job keeping the mood light, the details are pretty heavy. Um, The book deals with death and drugs and the streets at night and medical trauma and all those sorts of things. The first thing we're going to talk about is that it's thrilling to learn something new. This is why Kevin Hazard decided to become a paramedic. He wanted to know if he had what it took when running into the face of danger. He wanted to go towards the chaos and see if he could be of service. So he went to eight months of training and he talked about just the shock of learning all of these new things and the shock of entering a world that he knew nothing about. You can feel how frozen in time he is when he's experiencing some of these things for the first time. This is the prologue he says, I did nothing to save the first person who died in front of me. I simply stood watch and let her go. She was old and white and wasting away in a nursing home. Her death was unceremonious but fast and I was the only witness, earth's final century, there to do nothing but close the gates as she slipped through. It was only his second night on the job and that's that's his first experience with death and in the book he talks a lot about his experiences with death and how he feels about it and how it changed everything if you've ever done something for the first time if you've ever started a new job or even a whole new career or you've just been thrown into this thing or experience that you don't know what to expect or you don't really know what you're doing you can understand what it feels like for him to do this brand new job on page 55 he's talking about all of the things he learned in training He says, scarcely a minute has passed during which I haven't learned something new, something that could theoretically make the difference in someone else's life. How to talk on the radio, talk to a doctor, talk to patients, how to do all the things I learned in school, size up a scene, backboard, dress a wound, not just properly, but quickly. How to start IVs in a moving ambulance, how to start them on the old, the sick, the injured, the nearly dead, even the clinically dead. It does surprise me a little bit that paramedic school is eight months of training. That feels short to me knowing that my dad went to school for like an entire decade to become a doctor. But I guess that's what it is. You are on an emergency vehicle. You are not the doctors and nurses who are in the hospital working around the clock to save people's lives. You are on the streets. You are the first responder. You have to show up and know enough to save a life in a split second. And that's what makes this book so adventurous and so fast paced and so thrilling. But it also is a little terrifying that the people who are on these medical vehicles have training, but maybe some of them don't have very much training at all. I did learn that a medic is usually paired with someone else and you can go to more school and get more training to become a medic. But at first you're an EMT. It's interesting, I'm never gonna go to EMT school probably, but he was curious enough that he wanted to do it and he studied hard, but he also learned more on the job, obviously, than he did in school. Secondly, let's talk about what it's like to live above the mundane. Because Kevin Hazard did live above the mundane in his 10 years as a paramedic. But what does that mean exactly? And what is the cost of that? He and his partner talked a lot as they're driving around in their vehicle about the perfect call. What would the perfect call be? He says on page 77, we discuss when in the shift it would have to happen and we settle on midnight. Then there's the question of what resources we would need at our disposal. How many patients would be involved and what type of call, medical or trauma? We agree that we'd be on our own, no help close enough to be called in, nothing to rely on but ourselves and it would have to be a trauma call. So this cracks me up because... I grew up with brothers and there's just a drama behind this language that just speaks of they want to be the hero. They want to swoop in and save people. They want to they want to be amazing. I mean, don't we all? This this conversation between the two of them is really... What would be the perfect scenario in which we would walk away from the situation feeling like, yeah, this job is awesome, and we did our best, and people are alive because of us? That's got to be a pretty great feeling, and I imagine that's why people do apply, because they want to save lives. They want to help. They want to be there when nobody else is, and there's a certain respect that comes with that. Even if it might be selfishly motivated, they are willing to put up with a lot in order to get that perfect call. Do he and his partner get that perfect call? Well, you kind of have to wait towards the end of the book to find out exactly. But the coolest part is he goes from feeling insecure. Can I do this job? Am I capable? Am I strong enough to, yeah, I am. I did. And that's really cool just to watch his transformation from the beginning of just starting out new and not knowing very much and just wanting to kind of do it for the thrill, but kind of also because you really wanted to help people. And then by the end of the book, you really feel like he has become really good at his job and he has saved a lot of people just by showing up. So you may live above the mundane, but with that comes a sacrifice and he had to deal with death a lot. This is the weirdest quote I'll probably ever read in my life, but it's on page 195, and it covers the topic of the dying and the coming back to life, which is so strange. He says, and so, yes, we killed someone, but then, with just as much ease, we brought him back to life. This is my first time. Up until this moment, every person I either found dead or who died in front of me has, despite my efforts, remained dead. This is my partner's second. The first call he ever ran was a guy who dropped while jogging, just collapsed and died, and my partner, with exactly zero experience, saved him on his very first try. I realize now that when he said he didn't know anything, when he said he wouldn't be offended if I corrected him, he actually meant it, because even though he didn't have much experience, he knows deep down he's good. The first thing he did on this job was bring the dead back to life, and now, having done it myself, I know just how that feels. Okay, seriously? (laughs) Can you imagine... I can't even imagine. We're talking about death being a fickle thing. And that is so strange. You hear stories of people coming back to life after, you know, being gone or being unconscious or being dead or having no heartbeat. But in this job he experiences it on a regular basis. And if not the the dying and not dying and coming back and going away for a little while and then maybe not being so very dead, it's the near death experiences the incredibly traumatic experiences that can take a life away in an instant. That was his every day. Okay, and lastly, we just have to say, someone's got to do it. There's people out there who call 911. Who answers those calls? I called 911 um, recently. My husband and I were with our daughter, and she had a severe allergic reaction, and it was super scary. It was terrible and horrible and I wouldn't wish it on anybody. She did respond to the medicine and she came back to us. But I'm so thankful for paramedics. I'm so thankful that when I called 911, the dispatcher talked with me and helped me until the ambulance could arrive and give her a higher dose of medicine that helped her get over the allergic reaction. So yeah, someone's got to do it and I'm so glad that they're there to pick up the phone and to respond when we need it the most. This is kind of the hard part of this book is he talks about walking into chaos and just trying to save lives. There are doctors, nurses, firefighters, police officers, military, all of those types of people who go to training in order to save other people's lives and to protect other people from danger. The list is endless, and what they're doing is so brave and courageous. And if you have someone in your life who you know sacrifices for others on a regular basis just as a part of their daily job, they are the backbone of our society. We couldn't do what we do safely without them. On page 179, he talks about a particularly difficult call. He says, We're dispatched out to a wreck. A Caprice Classic was T-boned by an Escalade. The Caprice got hit so hard and skidded so far that two of the wheels were shorn off at the axle. Both cars were full of people, and when we arrived, they're all out, walking and confused, crying, yelling, bleeding. Some are hurt, and a few aren't. We pick our way through the crowd as more ambulances show up. A fire engine blasts the night apart with its horns. The front seat passenger took the brunt of the hit, and she's pinned beneath the caved-in door of the Caprice. Her pelvis is broken. The femur is a memory. Her right lung has been punctured and all hell is breaking loose inside her skull. This is hard. This is not easy. This is the disasters of this world that generate the phone calls that no one ever wants to receive. And Kevin writes so eloquently about these situations and how he does what he can. He walks into the situation and tries his best, uses his expertise, uses his experience to help. And it's not always successful emergencies are emergencies. They don't always turn out great. And he's seen it all, but he also has now, towards the end of the book, a calm demeanor that truly does help the situation. He says he doesn't really like it when people ask him what's the worst thing he's ever seen. They find out about his job and they're fascinated, You know, just like I am, which is the reason why I read the book. And they just wanna know, well, what, you, what have you seen? What's the worst thing you've ever seen? And he says with honesty, you don't want to know. You seriously don't want to know. And I'm okay with that. I think that he's allowed to keep things private. He's allowed to say, no, there's parts of the job that aren't glamorous, that are too difficult for words. He's seen things that he probably wants to unsee. He's made mistakes that he probably wants to go back and relive and try again but again someone's got to do it and he was willing and these are his stories so just to wrap up we talked about how thrilling it is to learn something new and the reasons why he became a paramedic and why anyone would choose to do a different career that tests them we talked about he lives above the mundane in this job but how it comes with a cost and we celebrated emergency response teams of all kinds just Because someone's got to do it, and the fact that they are willing makes me really grateful. So I love the way he ends this book. He wraps everything up really well and talks about the transition out of the job. And also, he just makes it very clear that he knew it was time to go, and so did his family. And that's why he transitioned out of the paramedic world. So again, I would recommend this book to anyone who has sat on a couch and... (laughs) watched a cop show riveted and so curious about what happens next and what it would be like to ride along in the backseat of a cop car or an ambulance or a helicopter. We crave the action and the thrill, but we're smart enough to know that there's a reality behind that and people who do these types of jobs are brave enough to go into the unknown with only their training and their experience and their desire to help people thank you for listening to this episode on a thousand naked strangers a paramedic's wild ride to the edge and back by kevin hazard if you would like a copy of this book you can go to my website and click on podcast and there are amazon affiliate links there listed for you to all of the books that we talk about on the podcast so thank you for your support and we'll see you next time